There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Raider Nation, it is Friday night. That means it's time for the West Coast's only all Raiders talk show. That, of course, is Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. How are you doing? Good Friday today. Hope you're having a good day and you have a good holiday weekend for those who celebrate. For those that don't, hope you have a great weekend. Of course, another busy week for the Raiders. We're going to get into that. Derek Carr, the big extension. We're going to talk a lot about that in this first segment with my first guest, Hayden Adonley. Hayden is a contributor, has been with Silver and Black today, Silver and Black tonight. He's going to join us all the way from down under in Australia. So we're going to talk to him about the Derek Carr extension. Also, coming up after the break, my former co-host, Kelly Kreiner, joins us. We're going to talk NFL draft and the Raiders. Yes, they don't have a first and a second round draft pick, but they do have needs they still need to address, and they do have a slew of picks later on. So we're going to get his opinion on that. He is our draft analyst. But first, we turn to the big news, Derek Carr. Of course, the three-year, $121.5 million extension. We're going to talk about that with our first guest, that is who I mentioned at the top, Hayden at only who joins us from Adelaide down in Australia. Hayden, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Congratulations on the birth of your first child. Welcome back to the show. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's definitely a good Friday. All right, so let's jump in. Since we haven't talked to you for a while, the first thing I want to do before we get into the Derek Carr extension, what it means, the value I think that not only the Raiders got, but Derek Carr and the protection for him and his family with some of that guaranteed salary. We'll get to that in a minute. But since we haven't talked in a while, let's talk about this Raiders offseason. You've been a fan of the team, covered the team, obviously with our website, but also other websites. You've written all over the place about it. Um, What do you think of what this team, what Dave Ziegler what Josh McDaniels, what this new front office has been able to do this offseason going into the 2022 season? Um, They've gone from the Raiders being a perpetual state of chaos and instability. And what they've done is they've immediately brought a sense of professionalism to the team that really hasn't been seen in a number of years. And um, there's no noise. It's just let's go out and make the deals done. And if you look at the team, the way that they're structured right now, they've got heavy hitters at all of the top positions. I mean, They've got a quarterback that's just been extended. They have, uh, the, in my opinion, they've got the best receiver in the league. They've got a franchise left tackle. They've got arguably the best um, pass rushing duo in the league. Really, all they, all they need now is some secondary help a ball hawk on the backhand, and then you've got a pretty good nucleus of players that are going to be together for a a number of years. Um, It's really well structured by Dave Ziegler. Um, There's obviously a um, a few question marks surrounding Josh McDaniels because he hasn't been successful as a as a head coach but I mean the way that he's carried himself over the offseason you have to think that he's learned a little bit since his days in Denver and I think they're really trending up. 
Yeah, there's no question. And for me, again, maybe maybe it's the years that I've covered the Raiders and kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. I really did not believe that the Devontae Adams deal would happen, right? After the tag stuff, but then you no, saw no, Adams no. say, but were you were you surprised by that? Or did you really think, were you one of the few, or I should say one of the the optimists out there who really felt they had a chance to get this done? No, I didn't think it was going to happen. It, it, if I could, it just reminds me of a, a bit like an NBA trade. So, mm. you know, NBA players, they often, they dictate their market because of the way that the salaries are structured. And they really say more or less, even without an oak trade clause, they'll say, I'm only going to this place. They yeah. find a way to push their way through. They, the NBA is all about player power and the NFL is all about coach power. And right now we're seeing a little bit of a reversal of that because we are seeing, you know, I mean, Devontae Adams got, got his trade to the Raiders. That's that's the one place he really wanted to go. And we're seeing, you know, like Deshaun Watson get a, a fully guaranteed contract. Kirk Cousins has had his fully guaranteed contract. So there are there's a bit of a, a tide turning in the league. And I really don't know how it's going to shape out, but it, it certainly makes for interesting viewing. It does. Now you look at what's happened in the rest of the AFC West. And of course, that's it's been a big year. You saw what the Chargers did. They went out and got Khalil Mack, of course, and they had they've already had a good defense. Uh, they have Justin Herbert, at quarterback. Russell Wilson comes into the division. I know Raiders fans hate the Broncos fans and hate the Broncos. But to me, they instantly become a much better team. They were a pretty good team. They just couldn't get a quarterback. They now have Russell Wilson. You, to me, the biggest question mark in the division is the Chiefs because the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill is gone. In my view, Andy Reid has to remake his offense. It's it, People have started to, started to figure it out a little bit. And Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is a talent and a great quarterback, he's not. he hasn't gotten better in my view. When you look at this division, uh, and I know a lot of people are, are defaulting to have the Raiders fourth in the division, which I don't agree with at all. I think they're, they're second or first at, at, at worst. But if you look at the division, uh, and you look at the moves the Raiders have made so far, and we're not done yet. How do you look at this division now and think about how it's going to unfold? It's a true arms race. So if you look, if we go one by one, we can see that the Chiefs really, they've, they've lost um, this offseason in terms mm-hmm. of their um, personnel acquisition. So Tyreek Hill is one of, in my opinion, only about five players that really keep defensive coordinators up at night. They keep head coaches up at night and fans are legitimately um, fearful of what that player can do to their, their team on Sunday. So for them to be trading Tyreek Hill, um, suddenly the... I guess the um, allure of the Chiefs' offense, that mystique of it, that suddenly is out the window. There's a scare factor that is no longer there with the Chiefs. Sure that they've still got Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, but that intense fear in which they can throw it 80 yards down the field on any given play, that's gone. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling isn't going to replace that, (laughs) and neither is Juju Smith. They they have a problem there. Um, It speaks... It's, it's almost, I get a little bit brash and egotistical, I guess, of Andy Reid to think that he's going to be able to get rid of arguably a, a top three receiver in the league and um, still be able to keep humming. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Now, if we move down the line to, to the Chargers, like you said, they added Khalil Mack. They also added JC Jackson in free JC. agency. Yep. My question yep. there, 
why did the Patriots let JC Jackson go? Mm. They've in the past, they've let top corners go and they've petered out and they've done nothing. Bill Belichick seems to have a really good um, track record of having corners produce in his scheme and then they go elsewhere and they don't. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Regarding Khalil Mack, he missed something like, I think, 10 games last year um, with a foot injury. Um, he has had injuries over the last few years. He really hasn't been the same player since 2018 when he could have been justifiably the defensive player of the year when Chicago went 12-4 and four and, mm-hmm. and uh, made a playoffs. So I'm not sure that they have improved as much as the media like to think they are. They're in a big market. Because they're in LA, they're going to be talked about a lot more. Justin Herbert is the darling of quarterbacks in the league right now. He can't do no wrong. Um, True. It, but he hasn't done that much. Int- I mean, if you think no, about it. No, he hasn't. He, he, he really he hasn't. He hasn't no. made the playoffs yet. He hasn't right. made the playoffs. He gets talked about awful lot for a, for a quarterback that doesn't make the playoffs. And, okay, so you can <laughs> say, well, he scored – he, he uh, threw for 35 touchdowns last year. Well – in Derek Carr's sophomore season, Derek Carr threw for 32 touchdowns. Right. So it's and it's a much more passing league now than it was seven years ago. So yep. you can conceivably look, you could think that okay, Justin Herbert's gonna make the leap and the Chargers are going to be, you know, a team that's gonna be right thereabouts, and they probably will be, but I don't think that we can crown them yet as a team that's, you know, um, Super Bowl contenders. They still have a lot of roads to jump through. No question. Um, and Hayden, you you look at you look at the the Raiders now too, and we're gonna we're gonna switch gears to talk about yeah. our, our main subject, uh, which of course, and again, we're talking to Hayden Hayden and only from Australia. He is a contributor here on Silver and Black tonight. Uh, and you look at Derek Carr. So we look at the three years, one hundred twenty one million dollars. You look at the way now. This has been reported uh, from a couple sources now. Carr basically getting a three point nine million dollar raise for twenty twenty two. Uh, he's got that significant injury guarantee for 2023 and the ability the Raiders have the ability to actually say goodbye after a year and only take a $5 million hit uh, against Ed cap space. 2022, he's going to make 24.9. He's got 40.4 million guaranteed. I mean, I look at this deal and I think it's good for everybody because Derek Carr gets $40 million for him and his family guarantee something happens, you know, knock on wood. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but if something were to happen to him catastrophically, or if, if it didn't work out, with the Raiders, which I don't think there's much chance of, but if 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 it didn't, he can walk away with it, be set. He's already got a lot of money in it anyway, but he gets a good deal. The Raiders get a hell of a bargain when you look at the market. Uh, so to me, both sides here are good. And Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they're not locked in for four or five years. They're really locked in. They have an out three days into the waiver period next year. They certainly do. So if it really does go pear shape, they can get rid of him after this year. I like you said, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I don't um, think so either. I mean, with the amount of weapons that they have on offense, you can make a, a justifiable claim that this is it, like a top three um, in the league for skill positions on offense. With When you combine, you look at the receivers, the tight end, Darren Waller, the running back, Josh Jacobs, it's, it's as good – in the league that there is. So um, if Derek Carr isn't able to produce in this offense this year, well, then probably that you'd be justified getting rid of him. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, 
it's a it's a unique deal because they haven't really put many of the guarantees up front. Um, where it really the the contract's going to be a winner is next year. It only jumps to thirty four million, and then I think the year after it's um, forty three. Forty. Now yeah. by the time it hits for by the time it hits forty three million, um, fifty million is going to be the the new 40 million for cap hits when it mm-hmm. comes to quarterbacks you look at all the quarterbacks that have to be extended in the coming 12 months you've got kyler murray right now possibly holding out lamar jackson seems to be going the Kirk cousins route of wanting to get tagged a few times and then hit free agency um you've also got joe burrow and justin herbert that are also going to sign you know exorbitant mega deals and that they'll hit 50 million a year so all of a sudden Derek Carr's deal that on average is roughly 40 million a year it's going to be tremendous value for the Raiders and you know Carr's a pretty unique individual you know yeah as much as people don't really believe that it's either the Raiders or no one I'm sort of inclined to really believe that it is the Raiders or no one for him. He has his life set up outside of football. He knows that eventually he's going to be a pastor and he's going to be preaching um, in the churches for you know for the rest of his life. So he's got that life already set up for him. And if football isn't the be all and end all for him, and I think sometimes it can be hard for um, the media and just general fans to understand, well, you're making all this money why wouldn't you keep going? But for someone who sees life as bigger than football yeah, um, and who has already earned over $125 million to begin with, <laughs> um, suddenly your perspective on life changes a little bit. Well, and, and that's the thing. Mike Florio, of course, uh, from Pro Football Talk, ra- you know, kind of raised the feathers of, of Raider fans on Thursday because he uh, he asserted in an interview with Miles Simons that Carr was a phony and that Carr, oh, bull, he wouldn't, he's not, if, if he wouldn't have got this deal, he would have gone to play somewhere else. And, and I think that's highly skeptical. And he brought up Tim Tebow and called Tim Tebow a phony and all this kind of stuff. First of all, putting Tim Tebow and Derek Carr in the same uh, sentence to me is, is is fraught with uh, with mistakes anyway because uh, you're not talking about the same kind of athlete as far as professional football goes. But to me, whether or not Derek Carr would have played for another team really doesn't matter. He didn't want to play for another team, and 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 as an employee of a of a of an organization, who wants their employee saying, "Well, yeah, if they don't want me, I'm going to go somewhere else." You know, it doesn't. It's not additive. Derek Carr and I I, did, I talked about this a couple of weeks on a, on another show, Hayden, where I talked about Derek Carr blocking people on social media and how people say it's because he's soft and all this, and I I argued no, I appreciate appreciated that he did that and that he talked about it because he said, listen, I don't need negativity in my life. This guy has a different view. Yeah, I think he does and says things sometimes that I don't necessarily agree with and I might have done them differently, but I'm not him and he's living his life. And I think to have your franchise quarterback be that genuine and and people can call him phony or whatever they want. And I know there's a lot of Raider fans, Hayden, that don't like Derek Carr and, and think they can do better. But right now, what we saw from uh, Dave Ziegler here in this signing was the Raiders believe with all the moves they made this offseason, with the young players they have in-house already, they believe the time to win. They believe that two- to three-year window is now. They certainly do. The window is right now to win a Super Bowl. And Mm -hmm. I don't think the Raiders really have had 
an opportunity to have a window like this. Um, it's usually been a, a flash in the pan year that we saw, for instance, in 2016, um, and they never really propelled on with that. And even under Gruden, you could see that the team was improving, but eventually it was going to reach a point where you needed to re-sign a number of players. Were they going to be able to make the right? They still had a number of holes on the, on the Gruden teams that never really made you believe, okay, they can make the playoffs, but can they really make a run? Yeah. Go and deep, Dave right. Ziegler and Dave Ziegler and McDaniels have come in and they have been like, okay, well, instead of tearing it down, we've just had a 10 win team that has overcome more adversity than any other football team has in the last, dare I say, 20 years. They made the playoffs. They were one play from taking the AFC champions to overtime in the playoffs. And who knows where it could have gone from there. Um, I mean, Josh McDaniels isn't going to make Zay Jones um, run a route that's short of the end zone on fourth down. We know that that's not going to happen. So just through coaching alone, we're going to see a massive improvement. And... They've, they've got the pieces right now, the personnel. Like I said, they've got cornerstones at all of the main positions that are really tr- some true elite players in the league. And it, it's, it's not far-fetched to say that this team is a Super Bowl contender. You know, and they might they might be a Super Bowl contender. They might also be the fourth best team in the AFC West. It's, yeah, it's really hard tough. to pick them right now. Yeah, it's going to be a great, exciting year. But this is the first time I can recall where there is legitimate expectations on the team, and it doesn't feel outlandish. There is a sense of confidence, a sense of expectation internally that this team is going to win. Yeah, and I, I re- I re- I'll just I'll just yeah, add one thing. One thing I really liked about Josh McDaniels in the offseason, he he said something that resonated a lot with me. They asked him, you know, how are you going to go about game planning during the week in terms of are you going to be, you know, scheme reliant, individual reliant? And he he said that if you look at each game on a on an individual merit basis, there is always a way to win a game. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be sticking to your scheme every week. It doesn't mean you're going to be sticking to certain players every week. But there is a way where you can unlock the weaknesses of an opposition. As long as you are versatile and you have the necessary players on your team that can um, game plan and... Um, uh, adapt on a weekly basis yep. you're going to be successful that's going to make the Raiders really hard to hard to scheme against because they're going to be a bit like a chameleon changing every week <laughs> yeah no question Hayden Noldy is our guest Hayden before we let you go we got about a minute and a half left so you got Derek Carr you have all those skill positions that you need of course you, you can use a little bit of reserve the NFL is all about depth but I look at and we still have time there's still the draft and there's still uh, a post-draft free agency later on. There's a lot of things that can happen. But uh, when you look at this team now, uh, the right side of that offensive line, uh, how concerned are you going to be if they don't make significant jumps there with either a draft pick in the third round or maybe they trade up into the second? How concerned will you be if they have to go with, with what they have now? Well, we saw last year, last season with um, the Bengals, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the league and they were able to make the Super Bowl. 
And I truly believe that um, Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line coach of the Raiders, he's going to be a tremendous upgrade on Tom Cable. Cable didn't have the team right fundamentally. They still have some like decent players on the line. I mean, Andre James improved as the season went on. Mm-hmm. Colton Miller is a, is a franchise left tackle. And the right tackle position is a little bit of a wild card. That being said, they, they still have Alex Leatherwood. And you can't write him off yet. He was a first-round first round pick. You could argue that he was a first-round talent. But the man won the Outland Trophy only a year ago. He was the best college left tackle in football, mm-hmm. uh, in college football. So the man can obviously play. And whether if Brazil can get that talent out of him, you've probably got another starting caliber right guard. And then when it comes to the right tackle, I'm really I'm not convinced about Brandon Parker. The guy that I really like in the draft, if the Raiders were going to target anyone's, probably Nick Petit Ferrer. Yeah, um, he's the he's from Ohio State, um, and I really do think that he could he could be the guy. He, yeah, he's probably I, my guy at this stage. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree with you there. And Hayden, we're we're out of time already, man. It, it went so quickly. I want to I want to thank you for Too coming far. on with us. You can follow Hayden by the way on Twitter at hbnetonly. We'll link it down on our. YouTube channel and in the podcast. Hayden, thanks again, man. We'll talk to you real soon. Go well. Have a great day. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. And we're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back, Kelly Kreiner will be our guest. We'll dive deeper into the draft. We'll get his thoughts on the Raiders offseason moves as well. You're listening to the Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. In my six fall, jocking the freaks, clocking the dough, went to the park to get the scoop, knuckleheads out there, cold shooting some hoop. A car pulls up, who can it be? A fresh El Camino rolling kilo G. He rolled down his window and he Now back to, to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black G-G-G. tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is Friday night, which means it is time for Silver and Black tonight here only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Southern California, how are you this week as we inch into spring all over the country? We appreciate you being back with us. Scott Branson, your host tonight. Mo Moten's still on leave. He will be back. But tonight, the guest you've been asking for... Someone who needs no introduction, but I have to introduce him nonetheless because we do have some new listeners. Uh, And that, of course, is my former co-host on Silver and Black Today out in Las Vegas, uh, Kelly Kreiner, who is also our draft analyst. And, of course, a draft is coming up. So we now uh, bring Kelly in. Kelly, you're back. Uh, Appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us here. Back talking some Raiders football, talking some NFL football on Silver and Black tonight. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime, you know. You know I can always squeeze you guys in. You know, <laughs> it's always it's always good to hear from all my many fans. Yes, you're 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 <laughs> I love that. Uh but for those of you who don't know, Kelly did host the show with me out in Las Vegas. Uh, we had a great time. Kelly is is by far one of the best people you're ever going to. If you want to follow him on Twitter, by the way, at rating the draft. Rating the draft. Uh, he is a draft junkie, a football junkie, of course, and a Raider fan. So, so we have him on the show, and of course, a draft coming up. Uh, but, but Kelly, we haven't talked with you, and everybody's just waiting. They've been waiting months and months and months to hear your opinion. Let's talk a little bit 
about the Raiders offseason moves. I mean, so many things have happened. Of course, Dave Ziegler, then of course Josh McDaniels, they come as a package. The, the, the Patriot way arrives in Henderson on Raiders way. And the Raiders organization looks much different than it did a year ago, much different than when we had the John Gruden takeover and the Mike Mayock era began. Uh, and both of those ended uh, not well. Uh, tell us a little bit, what do you think about the Raiders move for you? What was the biggest move? What was the most impactful move you saw them make? I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you anyway. Yeah, well, it's funny because when, you know, they came out, they weren't really doing anything. They were kind of slow rolling all these moves and everything. And of course, every fans base, every fan base wants that big move right off the bat. I was actually like the fact that they weren't diving headfirst into free agency, into all this stuff. I was like, all right, they're going to set back. They're not going to make any major moves. They're going to, you know, kind of see where everything falls, maybe get some free agent deals, then maybe set up something, you know, in season or for next year. And then they decided to just blow that completely out of the water by going, uh, grabbing Chandler Jones. And then, you know, obviously the Devontae Adams trade. Which it's funny because uh, it came out out here that Adams bought a house like two weeks before the signing, and everybody was freaking out. And I'm like, dude, there's 50 NFL guys that have houses out here. Like they aren't <laughs> playing for the Raiders. You well, know? remember, so I I remember the Tom Brady thing too. That's when Tom Brady was supposedly yeah. going to go to the Raiders. That was oh, he bought a house. So he's looking at houses in Vegas. So I, I poo pooed it as well. Yeah. So that didn't mean anything when I was like, oh, who cares if you bought a house? I mean, there's a lot of great tax incentives to move out to the beautiful state of you know, Nevada. But uh, then when everything came to fruition, you just started seeing everything turning. And it's going to be fun because for the last four years, we've heard that Derek Carr has no more excuses. <laughs> so can we say that yet again, that Derek Carr has no more excuses? Um, it'll be interesting to see if, because if I, he's, he's probably going to get the extension sometime, you would assume mm -hmm. soon. Yep, But it'll be real interesting to see what happens if they just say, hey, we're going to guarantee this year, we'll work on an extension next year, and they don't, like, they just play okay. Because yeah. then you're in that, that, like, you're in that even worse area of, are you going to re-sign him? Are you going to franchise him? And we get to hear about all this stuff for yet another year. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting you talk about that, too, because I, I talked with Lee Steinberg several weeks ago here on the show, Kelly, and I asked him about that, and he said, look, you're not going to – I mean, no one's going to – he's your quarterback. You're not going to go out – what quarterback's going to go out and play on that one year? Okay, so you guarantee the one year, uh, but that's not good for the locker room. His point was – that okay, you can do that, but what does what signal does that send to the locker room? And then is that then a distraction throughout the course of the year? Because with the quarterback, it can be because that is your top guy, that is the most important guy on the team. And so Steinberg's point was, if you don't take care of him, then you need to move on. But what is your plan B? And if you are going to take care of him, do it before the season starts, so that the locker room is in is in good shape before uh, it becomes a problem. Oh, yeah, 100%, because, I mean, you've made your bed. This is, yeah. you know, the moves and stuff that you've made, you're trying to win now, and you're winning now. Derek Carr gives you that best option. So you're signing him to four, a four or five, whatever you're going to sign him. If you don't, everything you've done this earlier in the season is basically meaningless. So, I mean, Can you, you – oh, go yeah. ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, Kelly Kreiner is our guest. He's our draft analyst, my former co-host of Silver and Black Today out in Las Vegas, joining us here on Silver and Black tonight 
on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. And, Kelly, we're going to get to the draft, but before we do that, I want to set it up with this discussion, uh, and nobody tracks it better than you, uh, but you look at the Raiders and what they were able to do. We talked about Devontae Adams. We talked about the Chandler Jones signing, which I liked as well. Um, what needs, before we get into the draft and how they might address some of those in the draft, what needs do you look at? I mean, clearly the offensive line, the right side, is still an issue. The, the Raiders have said, we're going to roll with what we got. We think we can coach these guys up is what they've been saying, which Josh McDaniels has been saying. Um, I don't know if I buy that completely, but there's still time to do things here in free agency, and you'll see some guys hit the street later on. But there's also the draft. Uh, when you look at this Raiders team, what are the top two positions that you believe they need to address either in the draft or or via a trade, or via free agency later on in the NFL year? I mean, yeah, to me, obviously, offensive line's the biggest thing. And if they just said, we're going to go into this draft, and we're going to draft nothing but li- inside you know, interior linemen and linemen, mm-hmm. I'd be completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody needs, ex- you know, secondary, I think the safety position's okay. You know, I'm not a big Abram guy. But with Boring back there and some of the other guys, I think your safety position's okay. You never have enough cornerbacks in this league, mm-hmm. you know, so you can grab a corner. You know, like you said, some there are going to be some people that are going to wind up on the street. There might be some people that fall in the draft. Uh, but for me, I, w- I would look corner and I would look um, offensive line because the D line, you know, you a, another D tackle, a rotational D tackle or D end, you can always find a guy like that that you can kind of throw in there because your, your, de- your defensive ends are set. I mean, you're, you've set that up for the next three or four years to where – you've got 80% of your – or 80% of your production is going to be, you know, Chandler and Crosby. So if you find a rotational guy to throw in there, that's always, you know, good to have some depth. But to me, it's to me it's offensive line. You've got to – you know, you can say you can, you know, coach the guys up and get them playing better, but, I mean, that's going to be the key to the team. Yeah, no question. Uh, and, uh, Kelly, when, you, when we look at the Raiders and, and those needs that you just discussed – um, and you start to look at this draft, right? Every draft has positions that are overloaded, meaning there's a lot of guys and they're quality guys. So you can, you're going to be able to get a, a good player in the third round because the Raiders now have no first round or, or second round draft picks unless they decide to trade up, which I, I'm not certain they will do. Uh, if you're looking at the Raiders situation, you're looking to, again, at those interior offensive linemen um, that they are in need of, or you're looking at another cornerback. Um, is there anybody in that second? I, I think to think that they would get in the first round to me, I just don't see it at all. Moving into the second half of the second round, is there a guy there that would intrigue you so much that if you're the Raiders, you're willing to give up future compensation for that or future picks uh, because you think that they can make a difference? How deep is the is the draft on interior linemen? To me, there's I don't see anybody that's going to be there that late second to where I would give up future capital. I would rather sh- throw say like a three and a four at a couple guys and just kind of go for, you know, volume, see if mm. you can find somebody and kind of hit. Because to me, I mean, the tackle, the tackle class, you've got a couple guys that in my opinion are like the head of the class. You know, you've got one or, you know, got one center who's the top of the class and everybody else. There's not, you know, the guard class, there's two or three guys I like. Um, I'm starting to get away from the idea of taking a tackle and switching positions because mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem to work at all anymore. It seems like these guys are coming in to where they're kind of position specific at this point. 
So, yeah, there isn't really anybody that would maybe slip in that second, close to that third, to where I would give up future capital. I would just take the kind of shotgun approach. It's like, like we're going to grab three guys. Hopefully one of them works. <laughs> well, what about, I mean, you, you look at the Raiders situation, you look at the fact that you can get, you, you need the rotational offensive linemen, right? I mean, you look at last year, the Raiders played most of the season with them. Uh, but you look at Alex Leatherwood. What's your, what's your view on him? I mean, everybody's been so down on him. It sounds like Josh McDaniels feels like they can coach him up a little bit. Of course, you're going to say that because he was a first round draft pick last year. And you're going to give a guy like that at least two years, right? But have, did you see anything at guard? I mean, his numbers at guard were not much better than they were at tackle when you look at pressures allowed uh, and and blown pass plays. So so what do you do with Alex Leatherwood? Is that is that a situation you think will work out in camp, or is he is he there? Are they going to try to sh- shoehorn that in until they just can't do it anymore? I mean, you kind of have to try to because he was a first round pick last year. So I mean, yep. you've got the capital invested in him. You know, it's funny. I heard somebody describe his seasons like he was a train wreck at right tackle, but he was only a car wreck at right guard. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh that's better. But I mean, it's like that. That's when that when that's how you're describing a season. It's not a good sign. You know. Right. But I mean, Colt Miller struggled really. I mean, he mm-hmm. struggled mightily as a rookie. He's gotten better. So I mean, there is a track record of incremental improvement, and I don't think like. If you can just if he could just cut down on penalties, it's a huge step. You know, yeah. you don't need him to be, uh, you know, you don't need him to be a Quentin Nelson next year. Mm-hmm. You just need him to be not a car wreck. And I think you know, the, you know, the Patriots have always had good offensive lines. Granted, they had one of the best offensive line coaches. He's not coming to Las Vegas with the rest of the guys. But I mean, if you can just you can coach him up enough to where he's not a liability. I mean, that's that's a win, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at another position. You mentioned cornerback, and there's some good cornerbacks in this draft. Is there anybody particularly that you think could be there in the third round that you like, or is it deep enough that they're going to be able to maybe get a, a, a slew of guys or pick their pick of a few guys uh, that you'd bring in and hopefully be able to develop as a young cornerback? Uh, yeah. Um, once you get in the later rounds, there are going to be a lot of guys that are kind of scheme-specific. Yeah. Um, one guy that, I mean, I've just listening to some of the other stuff, and I know Q's a big fan of this guy, but Tariq Woolen. Yeah. He's 6'4", ran four two six. you know, 15 years ago, he might be a, the first pick in the Raiders draft. Now you're, <laughs> hey, might get him, you might get him in the third round. Yeah. But you've got a guy, I mean, he's, a, he uh, switched over from wide receiver, so he's still looking the, learning the quarterback position. So, I mean, there's a lot of room there to grow. You just don't see guys that big and that fast. You know, I'll, I'll gamble on that all day because, I mean, like I said, worst case scenario, if he's a, just a complete train wreck, mm-hmm. it's a third-round pick. You can kind of wash your hands and go. But, I mean, you've got enough in the secondary to where you don't need him to be a starter right off the bat. So you've got enough time to get him in there, get him some reps. And if you hit on a guy like that, I mean, a guy that big that fast is just something you don't see often. And if, if you can get him to be your second corner – say he works out to that I mean that's a, that's a grand slam it's a huge one yeah um and Kelly what about you look at you look at the 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 current state of the Raiders with Dave Ziegler with Josh McDaniels 
What can you glean from from watching drafts of the Patriots? Of course, these guys are not Bill Belichick, but they worked for him. They learned from him. For Raiders fans who who might not get a pick till number eighty six, I think it is in in round three. Um, what can we learn from the past, from what happened in New England, and what might we expect uh, from the Raiders in the draft uh, that that uh, you saw in New England? Well, the one thing you saw from the drafts in New England is why they traded draft picks to get uh, Devontae Adams instead, because the Patriots have never been able to draft wide receivers. They've never really <laughs> drafted corners well either. Now, uh-huh. that's an old, you can say that's an older regime, and then you can point to some of the guys that have actually hit. But if you go back and look at their history, they have whiffed on so many corners, so many guys in the secondary, that the few guys they did hit on just shows that you know multiple approach, Bill. You know, but most of the people they did hit on were later round draft picks. So they mm-hmm. were doing better later in the rounds, which is the picks that, you know, we have this year. So, I mean, it gives you a little bit of hope because they've been able to identify those later round guys and, you know, past, you know, I mean, Nikhil Harry, you know, you look at some of the past wide receivers they've taken. It's like, that isn't an issue for the Raiders because I think the wide receiving group is good enough. Now, if you want to get a guy, maybe some guy falls to you, you want to maybe, try to get a, somebody a little more athletic, a little better as a second wideout. You mm-hmm. can always do that. But I mean, as far as, you know, their draft history, it's, you know, wide receiver and corner has been scary. You know, yeah. they usually like linebackers. Like you'll see like the Gerard Mayos, the Dante Hightowers. You've seen that in the past, yeah. you know, of course that was before Ziegler and some of those other guys got there. Mm-hmm. So it's, you don't, you know, just look in the last few years of what they've done. It's just a good thing. They got their wide receiver. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, it's worth the number one and number two, I think. Uh, Kelly Kreiner, our draft analyst, joining us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. And, and Kelly, the draft. Now, two things. One is, if you're a Raiders fan, it could not be a better time, right? The draft, unfortunately, due to COVID, moved two years from 2020 to 2022, the Raiders are hosting the draft in Las Vegas. The, to me, it should be the permanent spot for the draft, but that's just me uh, with my bias. Uh, and and the Raiders don't have a pick in the first two rounds. Um, how should Raider fans feel about that? Should they feel good because they have Devontae Adams, or uh, is it as a bummer, or should they still come for the party? What do you think of that and kind of maybe a little bit of a letdown for Raiders fans as it relates to the draft? I mean, you could say it's kind of a little bit of a letdown if you're a big draft, like you're into the draft, but yeah. you're, you take your top two picks, you're not going to get anybody that's going to make as big of a difference as Adams did. Yeah. You know, like, and just for the city of Las Vegas, we went from an exciting draft that had Burrow, that had Tua, I mean, like that had real like quarterbacks that you were like <laughs> excited for. And now we get probably the most boring draft since 2014 to where not only does nobody, like, is there not a solid number one? Nobody's got a snowball's chance in hell of guessing who's going number two right now. So it's like this draft's not exciting. It's boring. There's not that, not a high level of like blue chip talent. So the best thing the Raiders could do was trade to, you know, get a Devontae Adams, give up a couple picks because you, you've set in, you've locked in what you, your biggest need. So, you know, you're not rolling the dice on a younger guy. Yeah, you could get a guy cheaper, but you got exactly what you needed. You've got him locked in. So getting him was better than anything you could have done with your first and second round draft pick. So, and Kelly, before before we let you go here, as we we get to uh, within a couple of minutes of a break here, 
I was texting with you, and I, and I said something to you. I said, you know, the draft to me has lost some impact. And I'm not talking about fulfilling a roster and uh, for teams that have needs, and, and this is the way they address some of those needs. But it just seems to me the draft got so big that I think people's expectations, I'm talking about not people like you who study the draft intensely and know and can go into the fifth and sixth round and talk about who's the best pick in that round, but I'm talking about the casual fan, the hardcore Raiders fan who might want to know who the Raiders are pick. They're excited for the draft because it means football at least is, is, is back on the radar uh, until the dead period starts. Uh, but when you look at the draft, uh, don't you think that it's lost a little bit of that because there's, there's so much expectation around it? I mean, at, fans are always disappointed in their draft unless they get the one guy that they want. Mm-hmm. So you can have five people in the same room. Four are going to think the draft suck. One's going to think it's amazing <laughs> because they got the guy that they wanted. But, like, especially in a draft just this year, there's just not a high-impact, not a big-name player. You know, next year you're going to have potentially the top two picks will be, like, big-name quarterbacks. There should be a lot of excitement. You've got five teams with multiple first-round draft picks next year. So, I mean, there, you know, next year there could be a huge buzz if these guys work out. Yeah. It all depends on, you know, how your draft's set up. If you've got three franchise quarterbacks in a draft, I don't care what team you're on. That draft's exciting, so there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of people trading up, trading down. This draft, like I said, it, I said it hell, last year, it's a boring draft. It's not exciting. You're not going to see a ton of movement because nobody wants to move up for anybody. Right. Everybody wants to move down. So it's just, in general, it's not going to be that exciting because there's not much movement and there's not a big-name player. Yeah, that's true. Because even if even if your team's not drafting that, that big-time quarterback, number one and number two, or if there's five of them in the first round, that's game-changing for the league because those teams can turn things around. We saw it with Cincinnati with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase in consecutive years and what they were able to do. It's going to be real interesting. But we know, obviously, you'll be in the middle of it with the draft there in Las Vegas. And what we'll do, Kelly, we'll catch up with you after the draft to get kind of your view of the Raiders and what they were able to do. All right, man? Okay, man. All right, we appreciate you being here. That was Kelly Kreiner, our draft analyst, my former co-host, of course, uh, a fan favorite here. Just one fan, of course, but no, he's got... All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight, this edition of Silver and Black Tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. want to thank you for joining us. want to thank our guests, of course, Kelly Kreiner, who you just heard from, my former partner, and for Hayden Nadolny, all joining us all the way from Australia, contributor Silver and Black Tonight and SilverandBlackToday.com over the years. We appreciate his thoughts on the Derek Carr extension. We'll be back next week. It's going to be all draft here on the show. Raider Nation, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.